It is a blessing to be able to worship the great I am, the one who is over everything. And there are many ways that we get to do that. Uh, One of the privileges that we have as a church often is to be able to celebrate uh, new life within a church. And at this time, we're going to take a moment and we get to do that just a little bit. In just a moment, I'm going to have Holly and Tyler are going to come up with their beautiful little baby girl with a ton of hair and all of that other stuff. Uh, but before they come up, I wanted to take a moment and just kind of challenge you as a congregation. Uh, we recognize that in just a moment, Holly and Tyler will stand up here and make a promise, a commitment to God to model Christ in the life of their child. They have a great responsibility. There is no question about it. Uh, it is a privilege for them to be able to do this, but it's also a great responsibility. But one of the things that is often lost in a baby dedication service or a christening or baptism, whatever the title is you want to use, one of the things that is often lost in a time like this is the responsibility that also lies with the church. It is important that Holly and Tyler do their part, but it is just as important that you do your part. You see, there will come a time where little Summer is going to be looking for someone else to look at. And she needs to know that she has a place where there are going to be godly examples all around her. And that needs to be here. It is incredibly important that you realize that although this family is coming before us today, it is the responsibility of every one of us to live in such a way that if Summer were to imitate you, it would be a really good thing. Sometimes that's hard for us. Sometimes we would rather that not be the case. Actually, the message when I get to it is going to be on self-control. Sometimes it would be easier not to have self-control. But we must. Because there is a generation that is coming up after us. And if we do not model Christ in front of them today, the future of Christianity becomes in jeopardy. I heard a speaker once say that Christianity is one generation away from extinction. And that statement is correct. We need to make sure that the next generation is prepared and ready. But it begins with us today. Holly and Tyler, would you guys come up here and let us have this incredible privilege? I've been told, now I don't know how it's going to work, but I've been told that the baby will let me hold her. And it's as if she has already heard me preaching. Because she's sound asleep over here, so... There is a good likelihood that she will let me hold her. She is beautiful. Holly and Tyler, as you guys come before us today and as you come before the Lord today, you probably recognize already that there is a great responsibility that is on each of you. There will come a time, and I know that even now, she is already watching you. She is already learning your tendencies. She is repeating some of the things. That's a little hard for her at this stage to repeat everything. But that being said, it won't be long before you begin to recognize things. And you're going to see something in her and you're going to think, boy, that is just like Tyler. That is just like Holly. My hope is that when you think those things, that it's a great thing. As you guys imitate Christ, my hands are cold. I'm sorry, baby. As you guys imitate Christ, so your child will learn to imitate Christ. And it is incredibly important What we do today, there's nothing magical about this. Uh, We're going to 
say a prayer over your child. And we're going to celebrate this life that God has blessed you with. And as we celebrate this life, by the way, she is wide awake and she is paying attention to everything I say right now. I want you guys to take notice. Let the children lead you. (laughs) Um, You need to make sure that you show this child what it is to be a child of God. We're going to pray over, we're going to pray for God to bless this child, but know that the blessing begins with you. You guys have a responsibility. This is a commitment. So often individuals think that, well, we have to do this because it's a ritual that's just supposed to be done. And there is some value to that. But understand this is also about you saying that this truly is God's gift and you're going to give this child back. Let me ask you guys, first of all, is it your desire today to dedicate this child back to the Lord so that truly... um, As this child grows, she will know what it is to be a child of God by watching you and the way you live. And your response should be, that is our desire. desire. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you today, Lord, we thank you for this beautiful little girl. We thank you for uh, just the joy that she already brings to life. Lord, I thank you for uh, just the, the peace that this family has in knowing that you are going to be there with them to provide for them. There's no doubt Holly and Tyler don't have all the answers. They're going to learn what it is to parent. They're going to make mistakes along the way. I pray that you would go with them the entire journey. Lord, I pray that you would put blinders on Summer's eyes so that she may may not see the things that perhaps they fall short in. But Lord, I pray that you would help her to be able to recognize what it is to be a man or a woman of God simply by watching her parents. Lord, I pray that every day Holly and Tyler would wake up with the realization that they have a great blessing and a great responsibility. Lord, I pray for you to have your hand upon Summer already. Begin to order her steps. Begin to uh, help her to grow healthy and strong and help her to become the woman of God that you've called her to be. Lord, you created her Beautiful on the outside, beautiful on the inside, but Lord, we pray that you would never allow that beauty to fade, but rather let it to grow. Lord, I pray today for those who would come alongside Holly and Tyler. I pray for this church. I pray for the family that has come today to celebrate with them. Lord, we recognize this child is a gift from you, and each of us has a responsibility in helping to model Christ before her. Lord, I pray for your anointing on us and allow us to be those support system and the role models that this family will need. Lord, I pray today for your anointing to be upon little Summer, Samantha Mae Williams. As we pray today, as we celebrate your goodness, we now dedicate Summer, Samantha Mae Williams to the Lord in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. She almost went to sleep on me. You guys are not allowed to follow that example. (laughs) 
Now, we don't get to do that every Sunday, but what a blessing it is to be able to see new life and to be able to celebrate that. And uh, it is a privilege that we have to be a part of something so important in the life of a family. Uh, Today, recognize that uh, there are many people who have uh, been role models for you to help you reach a point where you are the person that God has created you to be. You might just get to be that person to help little Summer uh, to reach that point as well. So uh, thank you guys so much for participating in that. Now, over the past couple months, we've been in a series that has uh, been looking at all of the different fruits of the Spirit uh, that ought to be present in the life of a believer. If you remember the title of the series that we've been working on uh, has been Spirit-Filled Evangelism. And it's the idea that when we are truly Spirit-filled, our life will in many ways become evangelistic. There'll be things that will naturally flow out of us. Uh, We will have a love for people that uh, there's nothing you can do to stop it. And the only reason why that's true is because Jesus Christ loves every single individual. God himself is love. So if the spirit of God dwells in you, doesn't it make sense that love would also flow out of you? Uh, Joy, likewise, is something that should naturally flow out of us when we are filled with the spirit. And we've worked all the way through. You got love the one we have not gotten to is self-control. And we're going to take a look at that today. The passage that we've been working with has been in Galatians chapter 5, and we primarily have looked at verses 22 and 23, but today I want us to look a little bit more at a few verses before that, because it kind of puts it in context what he's talking about here in Galatians 5.23. We're going to start in verse 19 today. Uh, I will tell you, uh, if you want to go ahead and turn there, you can. Uh, I will tell you that self-control is not an easy thing. There are so many other things we would rather do than to be self-controlled. There have been some things uh, in my life that self-control is a very difficult thing. I'll tell you, it was about a month ago, I gave up drinking sodas. I'm going to tell you, it takes some self-control. This past week, it was on Wednesday. For some reason, I was just worn out. And I went by the convenience store, and I saw that Mountain Dew sitting in there, and I thought, I know it's been a while, but man, I really need, it was actually before Sunday night church. I thought, you know, a little bit of extra energy would be good. And I grabbed it out of the cooler and I turned to go to the, the register. And I thought, nah, never mind. And I put it back and I went and gra- grabbed a bottle of water. I did eat more uh, Reese's cups to make up for it, but uh, I've still displayed self-control when it comes to not drinking the sodas. Uh, Self-control is a very difficult thing for us to have, but it is something that all of us ought to have as we are filled with the Spirit of God. Uh, Consider the contrast that is displayed here in Galatians 5. First of all, in verse 19, as he's identifying a lack of self-control, and then as we end our passage in verse 23, this is what it says beginning in verse 19. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, Forbearance or patience or long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. 
Uh, as we started there, there were a list of things that we're not supposed to do. Uh, that's the self-control issue. And I love the way Paul ends that little section and the like. In other words, if I have forgotten anything else that I should have included that you already know you're not supposed to do, I meant to add that. So that's the and the like. You know the things that you're supposed to do. It's almost as if he's saying, I shouldn't even have to tell you anything else because you guys already know the difference between right and wrong. We are born with a, a natural understanding of the difference between right and wrong. There are times, and it's the Holy Spirit's presence within us. It is the Holy Spirit who convicts us when we know that we've done something wrong. There is this feeling of, man, I can't believe I did that. Even if nobody ever told you it was wrong, you simply know that it's wrong already. John Maxwell once said that the first victory that successful people will ever achieve or win is the victory over themselves. What he's saying is that until our selfish desires and tendencies are defeated, we cannot truly experience victory in our lives. In fact, often we find forms of victory in our lives, yet we still feel incomplete. We rejoice over those things that are happening now in our lives, yet we feel like we are failures, like there is still something that just isn't right, and that's because it isn't right. All of these acts of the flesh that were mentioned here in the first few verses are about self-satisfaction. They're about getting what we want or what we think we deserve. And while they may bring temporary moments of pleasure, they lack long-term value and purpose, which is only found in the Spirit-led life. Well, let's begin this morning with the question of what is self-control? Actually, a couple different ways of looking at it. Some would say that it's uh, uh, basically you taking out all the fun in life. Well, that's not necessarily true. I will tell you that sin is fun. If not, nobody would do it. Sin is very much enjoyable. But the self-controlled life can also be a very enjoyable experience. Basically, to experience self-control, is it means to get a hold of your life. To get a hold of something so that it no longer controls you, but rather you have control over yourself. Proverbs 25, 28 says, A man without self-control is as defenseless as a city with broken down walls. Consider the era, the era, the age in which this verse was written. What caused cities to feel safe? For example, what made Jericho seem so safe? It was the presence of the large fortified walls around the outside of the city. As such, the writer of Proverbs tells us that without self-control, we're like a defenseless city. In other words, we make ourselves vulnerable because of the choices that we allow to take place. All of the other fruits of the Spirit, all of the good that we've looked at over the past couple of months, if we lack self-control... We set ourselves up for defeat. You may be one of the most loving people in the world. You may have this incredible joy that is so contagious that it splashes out on everybody else. You may have this peace even in the midst of incredible storms. But if you lack self-control, it will make everything else you do lesser in value. This is so important for us to realize this is not something that it's an option. 
Imagine someone looking at the Ten Commandments and trying to decide which ones they wanted to follow. And they thought to themselves, actually, I was watching uh, uh, recently, I know it's not a great TV show, but The Family Feud. And one of the questions was, how many of the Ten Commandments have you broken? It is amazing to me how many people admit to having broken numerous commandments. How do you decide which ones are worth keeping? Actually, the most popular answer was seven that they have kept. Or the, uh, seven that they have broken, excuse me. That is ridiculous. How do you determine which commandments you keep? Well, God didn't intend for us to decide which ones we liked. And the same thing is true with these fruits of the Spirit. We must put on all of these as being filled with the Spirit of God. Anything uncontrolled, I will promise you, will have an effect on your relationships. What happens, we begin to recognize different ways where an uncontrolled life will negatively impact the world around us. For example, Proverbs 29.11 talks about how anger plays a role in our lives. If we do not basically overcome anger in our lives, it will begin to affect the way our every relationship uh, Acts. It says, fools give, up, fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. Drinking is another example of this. Just looking at, a, I have on your, um, on your notes, Proverbs 23, verse 29 through 35. I'm just going to read two of those verses. Verse 29 says, who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaints? Who has needless bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? And then skipping down to verse 32. In the end, it bites like a snake and poisons like a viper. What he's talking about here is those who choose to drink wine and beer. I know that alcohol has become an issue even within our denomination over the past few years. Uh, in our last general conference, there was great discussion over whether or not an individual could really be a child of God or whether they could even be a member of a Wesleyan church and still choose to drink. I'm not going to settle the issue completely for you today, because, and if that's what you're looking for, I'm sorry that I'm disappointing you. But I will tell you this, the life that is in any way controlled by alcohol is not a life that is self-controlled and under the submission of the Spirit of God. If you would choose to be dominated by any substance as opposed to allowing the Spirit of God to direct your life, then you are not truly living the self-controlled life. You say, well, beer is not as bad as other substances. Actually, you may not know this, but the most dangerous, destructive drug in America is alcohol. More people are killed because of the use of alcohol every year than all of the other drugs combined. Most of it's through drinking and driving, but the point is, it is incredibly destructive and it has no place in the life of a believer. Lust. Proverbs 6.26 says, For a prostitute can be had for a loaf of bread. What a horrible statement, but it's true. But another man's wife preys on your very life. The point is that for far too many people, we have allowed lust to build within us, and it will destroy your 
relationship in your marriage. We need to make sure that we guard against that. Spending. Proverbs 21 verse 20 is one of those areas that sometimes we're not so self-controlled in. Proverbs tells us the wise store up choice food and olive oil, but the fools gulp theirs down. This is not a message on tithing, but what I will tell you is that money is incredibly important to the body of Christ. Not because the church needs your money. We've already taken up the offering, so I'm not trying to raise more money. But the reality is Jesus talked about money more than anything else. Why? Because he knows the power that money can have on human beings. Far too often we are dominated by our desire for more money. And we lack self-control. That's why 91% of Americans today live in debt. It's because we lack self-control. We think that we need just one more thing when in reality we probably have too much to begin with. It's not that I was fishing for an amen, but it doesn't surprise me that I don't hear one in this because again, 91% of Americans live in debt. Yet we must be self-controlled. We can be set free. We don't have to live in debt. God can provide for our every need if only we will trust in him. An individual's name is H.B. London. He said, what we do upon some great occasion will probably depend upon what we already are. And what we are will be the result of previous years of self-discipline. All of the opportunities that we have when we make a choice today, it affects tomorrow. So we need to be sure that we are living the self-controlled life. There are three keys, and I'll keep this relatively brief for you because we are going to participate in the Lord's Supper. But there are three keys to self-discipline that I want you to catch today. The first one is it must start with you. Jack Parr said, looking back, my life seems to be one long obstacle course with me as the chief obstacle. Tell you the truth, that stinks. Most of us would rather talk about somebody else. How many of you guys, as you heard me say, we're going to talk about self-control? You thought to yourself, boy, I sure hope so-and-so's listening to this today. It's a lot more fun to talk about somebody else's issue of self-control. Maybe you thought about the person beside you. And you're sitting there, you're thinking, boy, I sure hope he's paying attention. Don't look over at him, that'll get really awkward, but... Uh, the point is, it is easier to look at everybody else in this need for self-control. So I told you guys not to look at the individual. <laughs> the point is, it is easier for us to look at everybody else and say they need self-control. But the truth is, we need self-control. D.L. Moody, the great evangelist of the last century, was asked, of all the people you come in contact with, who gives you the most trouble? He said, well, D.L. Moody, I have the most trouble with me, with myself. We need to recognize that if we're going to live the self-controlled life, we need to stop worrying about everybody else and we need to worry about us. Amen. We must start with us before anybody else should ever come into focus. The reality is we'll spend enough time trying to fix the lack of self-control in us. We probably will never get to them. We need to start with us. The second key here is, I believe that we need to start small. The question has been asked, how do you eat an elephant? The answer is simply one bite at a time. 
Recognizing where your greatest strengths are regarding self-discipline, begin by making small changes. Most of us lived in those acts of flesh, acts of the flesh, what we found in the beginning part of this passage, we lived like that for a long time. And it may take time for us to leave some of those acts of the flesh behind, but understand that God is never content with us remaining in our sin. It may take you years to be able to overcome some of the struggles that have been present for a long time. God desires that you leave that sin behind. Jesus Christ did not die so that you could remain a slave to sin. He came to set us free. And we need to recognize that as God desires us to be free, there has to be an intentional effort on our part to move away from that sin. That being said, you get up from the altar, you may not have it all worked out right away. But what I know to be true is that God will not leave you there to then fend for yourself. But rather, as we pursue him, and genuinely seek his transformation, God will set us free. But it will require self-discipline. Maybe we start, I remember my mom, when she gave her heart to Christ, I was, uh, a, I was young, and there were things that I remember from my mom's life before. Um, I remember coming down the steps and seeing my mom passed out on the couch from alcohol. Uh, she was a smoker, uh, disgusting. I hate the idea of smoking. I remember watching uh, my grandmother. She, she had emphysema when she died. Um, she was still lighting up each cigarette. Like as one was going out, she was lighting the other one. She had this big oxygen tank that she carried around with her. Uh, the tank probably weighed 85 pounds. I think my grandmother weighed 90 pounds. Uh, it was just ridiculous. Um, but I remember my mom, when she gave her heart to Christ, immediately she realized there were things that didn't belong. I will tell you, my mom never picked up another drink from the moment that she received Christ. To my knowledge, she never picked up another cigarette from the moment she received Christ. That doesn't mean she was perfect. In my mom's case, she really struggled with her language. She had this jar, you guys have probably seen people do this, where you put a quarter in the jar every time you choose to say a word that you're not supposed to say. I think there were some times she would come home with a roll of quarters just because she was ready. <laughs> there came a time, though, where that part of her lifestyle was left behind. To talk to her today, you would never imagine something like that. Why? Because God has delivered her from that. God still delivers people, and it may not happen overnight for you. Maybe you start with one thing and you say, you know what? I'm giving this area of my life back to God. But as you do, then God will enable you to then also be able to give back those other areas until you find yourself fully surrendered completely to him. The last point that I would make is you start with you, you start small, you start now. Stop making excuses as to why it's okay that you continue to live the way you've been living. That little baby is already going to be looking for an example. I can remember watching uh, television. Andrew was very small. We were still living in North Carolina, so he probably wasn't even two years old yet. Uh, I remember laying on the floor... And I had my arm up like that, and I'm kind of laying on my side watching TV. And I looked down, 
and here's Andrew laying beside me. Arm up like that, just laying there watching TV. I can remember a time when we had uh, moved already to Delaware, Pennsylvania, where we lived before we came here. He was probably, I'm going to guess, somewhere around four or five at the time. And I was holding him in the front row. I wasn't on the worship team at that point. I was standing up in the front row and I was holding on to him and we were singing, standing up singing. And I've got my hand up and I'm not really paying attention. And at some point I opened my eyes and here is Andrew with his hand up as well. Because he was looking to his father to see what he was supposed to do. Know that you can't just decide somewhere down the road, okay, then I'll decide to make things right. We need to make things right now. I read a bumper sticker that said that many who wait until the 11th hour to make things right with God die at 1030. My prayer is that every person who is here today We'll have plenty of time to make that choice to make things right between them and God, but nobody is guaranteed tomorrow. I don't say that to scare you, but to simply help you recognize that today is the day that we must begin to live that self-controlled life. We must begin to seek God with everything, and he will give us the strength and the ability to truly be self-controlled. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Father, as we come before you today, oh, we know that... We need your help. We need you to intervene in our lives. But you know that there are many more notes that I wanted to work through today. But perhaps what we simply need today is to understand how much self-control is available to us through your spirit. But for too long we have allowed ourselves to be defeated. For too long we have made excuses why it's okay that we haven't lived that self-controlled life. But we recognize today that there are too many people that are looking for you to be shown through us. Lord, I pray today that you would help us to truly be those self-controlled vessels. Allow your spirit to dominate our lives. Allow our lack of self-control to not become a stumbling block to all those other things that we've looked at over the past several weeks. But instead, Lord, I pray that the love and the joy and the peace and the patience and the goodness and all of it, I pray that those things would equip us to live a more self-controlled life. Lord, I pray for the one who today is struggling with some sort of addictive behavior. Maybe it's an issue with their anger. Seems out of control and at times they do very well with it. But then something happens that catches them off guard. It's out of their plan. And the next thing you know, they are bitter and they lash out with such incredible anger. They're so frustrated afterwards and they think, I can't believe I let myself act like that. Lord, I pray today that you would grant us self-control over our anger. Maybe there's someone here today who's struggling with the issue of alcohol. Lord, I pray today that you would not allow us to be tamed by anything other than your spirit. Lord, I pray that you would set us free so that truly we might 
not just be an occasional reflection of your grace, but every moment of our lives, no matter who we're with, no matter what time of day it is, no matter where we may be, Lord, help us to be of sober minds. Help us to be filled with your spirit so that truly we don't need alcohol as an escape in the first place. Lord, whatever the struggle is, whether it's lust, bitterness, gossip, or whatever it is, our money, I pray that today you would take control of us and that truly from this moment forward, we would be able to live as those who are self-controlled. But where we have fallen short, forgive us and empower us now to walk in victory. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Today we are going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Now the Lord's Supper was an occasion where Jesus met with his disciples. He was nearing the end of his earthly ministry and he knew the things that were about to take place and he knew he had very few opportunities left to be able to hang out with his disciples, to be able to share with them and just to be able to enjoy each other's presence. And on this occasion, it was an incredibly special occasion because Jesus knew that it wasn't just he was running out. This would be his last time with them before his crucifixion. So as they gathered around the table, they had a great time, sort of. I imagine there was laughter, there was pleasure, there were times that they celebrated how good the food was. You ever ate good food where that's all you could talk about was how good the food was? I imagine they had a great time until Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me. Immediately, the disciples begin to argue amongst themselves, well, it's not me. And it's like you're looking at the next guy. Is it him? I imagine a few of them even leaned in to specifically say, Jesus, which one is it? I'll take care of it. There was this sense of, I can't believe someone would do such a thing. And Jesus even reveals which one it is. And then he tells them, go and do what you need to do. And it was Judas, and we all know that. But Jesus didn't try to stop him from this act of betrayal. You see, Jesus actually came so that he could be betrayed. Not because he wanted to experience what it means to be betrayed. But Jesus knew that unless he was betrayed, unless his body would be broken and his blood would be shed. There's no way that anyone else could be forgiven of their sins. This past week, I taught a group of students specifically regarding this issue of Christ. Why he came, it wasn't so that he could uh, show off and let people know how powerful he was. He did do that. He did great things. It wasn't that he wanted to be able to do parlor tricks He didn't necessarily come just so he could fix people who were broken, even though he did that. He didn't come so he could wow people with what he had to say. I mean, think about it. He had huge crowds, and it was wonderful that people would follow after him. Thousands of people would come simply because they heard Jesus was in town. That's not why he came. Jesus came to be the sacrifice for our sins. All the way back in the Old Testament, from the moment that man first committed sin, there was a plan to cover up for the sin of mankind. In Adam and Eve's case, they tried to cover up with fig leaves, which were not enough. 
So God took the skin of an animal and covered them. Well, the only way an animal gives up his skin is if he dies. Blood had to be shed. Jesus Christ was perfect because he was fully God and fully man. He was the only one without sin, yet he chose to be the sacrifice for our sins. Every one of us need to know that the wages of sin is death, which means what we deserve. I don't care how good you've been. Some of you guys have been really good people. You look at your life and you think, well, if anybody deserves to go to heaven, it's me. There's a sense of arrogance there, just to let you know. But I'll also tell you, maybe you've been that good. That good is not enough. There is no way you can make up for the sin that has taken place in your life. You need someone else to do it. And Jesus Christ, because he was perfect, because he was without sin, because he was fully God, he is the only one who is able to pay the price for your sin. Today, as we celebrate his body being broken, his blood being shed, I want you to understand today that this is a privilege for us to simply reflect on what he did. He gave his life for us so that we could be forgiven. I will tell you, this is an open ritual. In other words, it's something that we encourage everyone to participate in. If you're a part of the body of Christ, I think it's wonderful for us to be able to celebrate the sacrifice of Jesus. But I will ask you today to simply consider what his sacrifice has meant to you. Hopefully you can declare that your sins have been forgiven. And if so, that is a reason for you to celebrate today and simply say, thank you, Jesus, for allowing your body to be broken and your blood to be shed. But I also wonder what else it has meant to you. I've talked about the self-controlled life. Can you look at your life and see that you are different today because of what Jesus Christ has done for you? I hope so. There is a reason for us to celebrate today. Jesus Christ has been very, very good to us. Let's rejoice over it as we participate in this. Now, I'm telling you, we're just going to use bread. It's something that uh, Jesus, when he met with his disciples, they used bread. It was probably unleavened bread. It was probably more like those wafers. You guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, to me, they, they seem like styrofoam when I see people eat them. But anyways, uh, it, was, it wasn't about the food. What Jesus did was he took common, ordinary things. He took bread and he took wine, two things that are used at every meal. And he says, every time you eat this, I want you to do it in remembrance of me. So if you eat this bread, I want you to remember that this represents my body that's broken for you. Then he took the wine, which again, they use it at every meal. He says, every time you take a drink of this, not just when you have a church service and you call it communion or you call it the Lord's Supper or whatever you want to call it. He said, every time you drink this, so when you're out with your friends and you're having a meal, when you drink this, I want you to remember my blood that was shed for you. Because without the shedding of Christ's blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. As we participate this morning, by the way, it's just grape juice today, especially after I already talked about alcohol. Um, it's just grape juice here. I'm going to tell you the bread... And the grape juice or the wine are not what's significant. What's significant is what they represent. The body of Christ that was broken freely for you and his blood that was shed for you. 
We're going to pray, and then I'm going to have some individuals come forward, and they're going to help me serve. Uh, I will ask that as you guys uh, receive the elements, if everyone would take them back to your pew, you guys will come forward to receive them, take them back to your pew, and then we'll all partake of them together. But let's pray first. Father, thank you again for your grace. Thank you for the blood that was shed and the body that was broken. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins. As we come before you now, we recognize that your sacrifice meant so much to us. For truly, without you and your act of grace, there is no forgiveness of sins. But today we celebrate the fact that there is forgiveness in you. Lord, I pray that you would set us free and help us today as we participate in this ritual to simply realize how much love went into your sacrifice. For you value us that much that you would give everything of yourself so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be free, so that we could have the hope and the promise of eternal life. Lord, help us not just to celebrate now, but as we go to lunch later, remind us as we break the bread and we drink whatever it is is at the table, remind us of your sacrifice so that every moment of our lives might become a reflection of what you've done for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I will ask if the individuals that I had spoken with earlier, if you guys would come forward and they will help serve. Uh, We'll set up three stations. There'll be one over here, one in the middle, and one on the side. And we invite you to come and to receive the elements of communion. If you would, please come and receive the elements of communion this morning. Again, as Jesus met with his disciples, they took the bread and he talked about his body that was being broken. The disciples believed he came to redeem them, to save them. They didn't understand that his body would have to be broken, his blood would have to be shed to truly experience victory and redemption. Today we celebrate what he did by allowing that to take place. He said, this bread represents my body that is broken for you. He said, every time you eat this, remember me. He then took the wine and he said, this blood Represent This wine represents the blood of a new covenant, a new covenant that basically sets men free. It brings redemption from our sins. He said, every time you drink this, drink it in remembrance of me. Father, again, we come before you grateful for the work of salvation, the body being broken, the blood being shed, And more than the death of Christ, we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. Because we know that what we celebrate here in communion was only the first step. We thank you this was not the end of the story. But we ask today that you would allow us to be a part of that story. Work in us, change us. 
knowing that what you have done came at a great price. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I will tell you that if, uh, if you will leave your cups in the pew, we'll make sure that it gets taken care of. Uh, if you are a guest here today and you do not have a home church and you don't live an hour and 45 minutes away, uh, we would love to uh, have you guys come back and join us. This is such a blessing just to have you guys worship with us today. Uh, I will tell you that uh, actually there was something I wanted to mention, really, really important. Um, we have some uh, postcards, handouts that are out in the foyer today. Uh, as many of you know, we have a new service that is beginning on the 25th. Maybe you have friends or family or neighbors or coworkers that could benefit from being a part of this service. Take them with you. Give them out. If you want to take 100 of them, I will not stop you. Uh, we want people to know that this is happening. It starts the 25th. But what's really important for you to know is our time change will begin next Sunday. We're just trying to work out all the kinks, which means that next Sunday, this service that started at 10.30 today will begin at 10 o'clock. So it's about a half hour change. We're simply trying to accommodate so we can uh, minister to more people. So at 10 o'clock next Sunday, this service will take place. That also means Sunday school starts a half hour earlier as well. Uh, so please come and participate with us. I'm so excited about what's around the corner for this church, but there's going to be some uncomfortable stuff, which is, includes time changes. So we're doing that this next week. Thank you for being with us this morning. Man, I really went long today. Sorry. Go in peace.